This is Rebecca Lowe, or Rebecca Lua, if you listen to Suboptimal Radio, and you are listening to Men in Blazers on the NBC Sports Network. It's unbelievable! This is Rog, broadcasting live from the Big Brother house. Oh, in a way, aren't we all just living in the Big Brother house right now? Oh, sadly, without that bank of editors who are needed to make it all like total shits and giggles. Yes, our world, our life is a bit of a roller coaster as we pod. So let's get things off on a positive note. Producer Jonah, can you please drop in my daughter, making the most beautiful sound? Hi, Uncle Niney. Suck it! Oh, I don't know about you, but suck it, Nige. Oh, rarely have three words sent to me more. All right, this pod is another episode of our new Chat Shit Get Answers. Oh, we need a sting. More on that in a moment from WGFOP, The Bald, the Men in Blazers podcast that unites our entire 11 listeners all over the world, invites them to call us on the very catchy phone number 646-450-9472. Yes, that's 646-450-9472. Leave messages and we will answer them. We've actually had, in all seriousness, thousands of amazingly vivacious creative calls. And at least six of them were not just heavy breathing. Calls like this. Hey, this is Alex. Phoenix. Come on, you Spurs. My question is for Raj. Uh, would you rather Everton win the league, the US men win the World Cup, or get Tracy Chapman on the pod. Oh, damn, Alex. That is the kind of question King Solomon would have trouble answering. Susie Orman even couldn't get her head around that. She knows everything. Look, everybody knows Tracy Chapman, Primo Levy, and Philip Larkin are the three guests that I would most love to book on a Men in Blazers show, and that the last two are dead. So this is a big ask, And this is going to be controversial because there is nothing in the world I want more than Everton to win the league and for the United States of America to win the World Cup. But I've got to go Chapman because, well, there is an argument to be made that Liverpool winning the league has got the world into this predicament. And I dread to think about what size asteroid would actually hurl towards our world if the US were within seconds of lifting that trophy. I do not want to tempt that. So Tracy Chapman, come on down. Next question, please, on Chat Shit Get Answered from WGFOP, The Bald. Hi, gents. This is Caitlin Wilbur from Rochester, New York, and I am a very sad Liverpool supporter. With the need to practice, quote, social distancing, How in the world am I supposed to entertain my almost three-year-old daughter without turning on what she calls the soccer boys on the weekend? Just hoping to tap into your experience as dads since the football smarts don't seem like they'll come in handy for quite a while yet. Courage. Good health. Bye. Caitlin, oh, I feel your pain. I really do. I miss everything about the Premier League. I really do, as your daughter calls them, the soccer boys. I found myself yesterday afternoon, just, you know how it is, when you're really, really sad, just that incredible pang. And I work really hard to try and locate the cause of this sadness, which is something that I'm really trying to do right now. 
and I realized as I tried to process it, peel back the layers, I was just overwhelmed with homesickness for Jack Grealish's tiny little shin pads. Oh, I mean, I have had those moments. I bet you listeners have had dozens of those moments when you're like, for a second, just really miss Giroud's meaty French forehead or like Bobby Firmino's teeth or that doom feeling of excitement that you only experience once a week when you look to see if Christian Pulisic is back from injury and going to make the Chelsea bench. The truth is, going to be honest, I don't like to lie to kids. We don't know when football is going to be coming back. We don't know when the soccer boys will be with us again. Yesterday, the earth-shattering solve-all conference call with the 20 Premier League execs, ultimately, and I think wisely, it didn't solve anything. They just hit the pause button football not going to be coming back till at least April the 30th. A decision which, rare for football, sage judgment as far as I'm concerned, buy some time, understand the length and breadth of the seismic threat that we're all dealing with before flinging out proclamations that are not going to be. Big news was declared, and this was it, intention to finish the 2019-20 season. There's nine more rounds of Premier League fixtures remaining. Yes, we know Arsenal and Man City fans, plus the odd magical game in hand. And that aspirational hope, that's what it is, to target April 30th as a return. The prime driver behind all of this appears to be the threat of a $900 million loss in domestic and international broadcast revenue if the 2019-20 season does not finish. Not a lot of people know this, but most of that money is actually paid personally by Robbie Musto. The clubs receive that broadcast money in twice a year tranches, one in August at the beginning of the season and one in February, and they've only just pocketed that second slice. A lot of pies, a lot of pies. April 30, to me, seems unbelievably ambitious. But there's now inevitable rumours of what post-virus football could look like. We'll play these games in an incredible clip, Spain talking about actually playing one every two days, talk of shared stadia behind closed doors, really a run of fixtures that will make that festive period, that congestion seem almost leisurely. Remember this, whatever the executives decide, it's purely theoretical. We've not heard a peep yet from the players themselves. They're too busy making toilet roll juggling videos. And the one thing I know is juggling that toilet roll, not the ideal way to keep match fit, to return to elite competition. We should also remind ourselves, the players are also human beings. They really are, even Jordan Pickford, especially Jordan Pickford. And we have to ask ourselves, will they want return from isolation and immediately fling themselves together, expose themselves to whatever risk there is, purely for our entertainment? We will see, we will see. GFOP Colby Black summed it all up well uh, when he dropped us a raven that said, fight on men in blazers. Can't wait to invite you all to the Monroe Pub in Brooklyn to watch Liverpool win the 2019-20 Premier League sometime mid-2021. Terms of your kid, the good news is she can watch Liverpool this weekend. Brace yourself though, America. I will be narrating the action. NBC Sports are running a two-part banger, Klopp's Promise, episode one, Saturday 2pm, episode two, Sunday 12pm, both Eastern time. The documentary relives the entirety of Klopp's Liverpool tenure when he arrived and everything was just aspirations and big dreams and let's transform this place to the act of actually just alchemy, turning that squad into one of the most tenacious collectives the Premier League's ever seen. As that weird alchemy tweeted me about Klopp's promise, 
Ah, I've seen it on the Hallmark Channel already, and all I can say, I'm glad he waited until marriage. Next question, please. Hi, so my name is Samuel Fleming. I'm from Asheville, North Carolina. How big of a story would it be Leeds United would be able to move up and be able to play in the Premier League for the first time in a very, very, very long time? Thank you. Bye. Oh, Leeds United. <laughs> the remarkable feel-good footballing story. English football needs now a tale of passion, glory, greed, suffering, redemption. Oh, long. One of English football's powerhouses. Leeds United in the 1970s could claim to be among the world's best club sides. Between 1997 and 2004, the Whites spent massively to establish themselves as a Premier League threat. Not just a Premier League threat, but an aspirational Champions League power. They played beautiful football. Starlets all over the field. Rio Ferdinand, Mark Viduca, Harry Kuehl, and they rose to the upper echelons of the Premier League. Established themselves amongst Europe's elite. They reached the semi-final of the Champions League. But behind the scenes, success on the field was taken by a chairman who just one reckless financial risk after another, he'd done it. And the moment they failed to qualify for the Champions League, because back then it was just the top three Premier League teams that got through, the lack of income led to a balance sheet implosion. Relegation followed, 16 long, aching years in exile, including three seasons in League One, the third tier, total darkness. The South Yorkshire fans they never gave up on the team. It's what I admire so much about this story. Massive, massive attendances, even in the lowest moments, the darkest hours, and there were many. One terrible owner after another, a managerial carousel, a stream of nearlies, heartbreaking losses in promotion playoffs. Felt like Leeds United were doomed, like Jura Mormont, to forever live in exile. That all changed in 2018. The legend... Argentinian manager Marcelo Bielsa arrived. I mean, a genius, an obsessive, a footballing idealist. Be a bit like Pep Guardiola washing up at Sunderland in 10 years' time. Leeds had had 12 managers in five years. And in, in this guy comes with his high-tempo pressing, with his sweeping, buccaneering, width football. Oh, and he stayed, even though the team missed out in the playoff semi-finals. And this season, his team have survived the January dip and then just kept on coming. Bielsa's football does exhaust his teams, but they've come back and with nine matches remaining, they've gone back to the top of the championship table, having won five games on the trot without conceding. They can touch the promised land. They really can. It's got to be said, few teams will return to the Premier League with a greater welcome and they will deserve it and more goodwill thanks to Bielsa. I love Leeds. I really do. I went to university there. Team won the league while I was at university, 92. A magnificent squad. Gordon Strachan, the ginger wonder, the late legend, Gary Speed. And of course, Le Wah, oh, pre-Manchester United, Eric Cantona. I actually got a job. I don't think I've ever told this story on the podcast. I actually got a job to be the club's mascot, the Leeds Lion. I was hired to wear a lion suit. True story. I was meant to run out in front of the team down the tunnel at home games. Living the dream, right? But on the night before my first ever game day, I got absolutely hammered. On the lash hammered. 
the Ego Costa style night out hammered. Oh, and totally hungover, Rog. Kids listening, this is this is this is not cool, Rog. I slept in through kickoff and was promptly fired without ever performing lion duties. This this ranks up there as one of my great life regrets. I will never forget that moment of waking up coated in my own upchuck, looking at the alarm clock, seeing it was 3.05 p.m. in the afternoon. Oh, and then glimpsing that lion suit just staring back at me from the hook oh, on the back of my door. Next question on chat shit, get answered, WGFOP, the bald. Hey, y'all. My name's Nathaniel Ogren. I'm from Dallas, Texas, and I'm a Liverpool supporter and a high school senior. And this question is for Raj. So often in life, we have to grieve things that do happen, whether it's death or whatever tragedy, we have to grieve the things that come to pass. But you as an Evertonian are uniquely situated to teaching us how to grieve events that never take place. You are yourself a connoisseur of unfulfilled and broken dreams. And so I was wondering what words of wisdom and support and courage you might have for those of us who are grappling with the disappointment that's coming with this virus, be it my beloved Liverpool perhaps not lifting the title after all this waiting or not being able to be in my spring musical or walk at my high school graduation. There's a lot of loss here and um, a lot of things that go unfulfilled. And I was wondering if you might have any words from the great poets uh, like Philip Larkin or Sam Allardyce to help soothe the pain. Nathaniel, mate, 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 I am... Oh, I am so sorry. All your thousand of listeners who are similarly missing out on their senior year experiences right now. My heart breaks. It really, really does. Know this. You are making memories right now. The time we're all sharing together, this surreal time, you'll never forget it. So my advice is to make active memories, conscious memories you can hold from this strange, confined life under stress which throws up moments of unexpected joy and human wonder. Oh, Nathaniel, savour them. Actively seek to make them. And as many of you know, I came to Chicago for the first ever time as a 16-year-old. I'd never been to America before. I spent one of the greatest summers on my life in John Hughes' territory on the North Shore with the family of my pen pal, the kid that I used to write to from Chicago, especially during the Bears' Super Bowl season every single week. I live with that family. They were amazing. They're really why I'm here in America today. And I found out this week that the father of that family, Buddy Owen, passed away earlier this week. He was a, oh, a lovely bloke, Buddy Owen. So calm, so warm, so joyous. Took me to my first ever baseball game. We sat together at Old Comiskey. He is, that is, why I'm a White Sox fan to this day. Anyway... Buddy used to slip away at night time on the regs. I mean, many nights a week, he just used to disappear. I, I didn't understand why. And I didn't have like the, the confidence to ask until a couple of weeks into my stay, I did ask him. I said, what do, you, what do you do? What do you do at night time? And he just laughed and he smiled and said, come with me, join me. And so I did. And we got into his car early evening on a warm Chicago night, that crackling heat. And we drove for an hour or so till that suburban home and mall scene were left behind. We arrived at a lake somewhere, I'd love to know where it was, in the middle of nowhere, parked up and just walked towards a tiny 
little boat. It's like, I, I'm not a boat person. I think it was like a Boston whaler or whatever, that size, tiny little boat with a light on the back, which he flicked on. And we just put, 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 putted out into the middle of the lake. And we got there. We, we, we were going nowhere. We were just the middle of the lake. And when we got there, we stopped put putting. And he cracked open a beer, can of beer each, drank them. Oh, cool, gorgeous bud. And I looked out because it was dark then, pitch black. And all I saw were the lights from the back of dozens of other boats. And we drank our lagers quietly, joyously, wondrously, gratefully. And then just put, put, putted back, back to the car, headed home. And that was it. And what I realized was, Buddy's happy place was that boat. And it became clear to me that night, everyone in life has to find their happy place. More than ever, everyone has to find their happy place right now. Their moment of calm, their way of meaning, of joy, their boat, their beer on the boat, like Buddy Owen. To Buddy Owen's memory, I raise my bud right now to Buddy Owen and to you, Nathaniel Logan, to the memories that you're going to actively, consciously, joyously, even as you lose the opportunity to have the ones you'd always imagined to consciously, joyously make. One last question. Hey, this is Mike from Indy. I am a Chelsea supporter. I want to thank you guys for keeping me sane and human during these trying, trying times. And I want to know, would you rather fight one Peter Crouch-sized Carlos Tevez or 20 Carlos Tevez-sized Peter Crouches? Oh, Mike, I've often thought about this one. I really have. And I have to say, I lean towards a Crouch-sized Tevez just for the novelty. Because, well, if I really have to fight, the first rule of bar fighting, everyone knows this, is to always take on the big guy. The big guys always crumple easy. A Tevez-sized crouch is terrifying to me, though. I've got to be honest, because a Tevez-sized crouch is just a sure Englishman. And a sure Englishman comes not alone, but they come with a chip on their shoulder guaranteed and an ability to start a brawl in an empty room. Do not go near the Tevez-sized crouch. Though I've got to say, I'm intrigued by the idea of 20 tiny Peter Crouches, an army of teensy-weensy little men who would approach the fight West Side Story style with a synchronised signature robot goal-selly dance. Oh, I'd love to see that because I'm a lover, not a fighter. So a dance-off with 20 tiny Crouches, that's really living. Oh, that's it today from Chat Shit. Get answered on WGFOP, the ball. But one more thing before we go. We said on the last podcast, WGFOP, the ball really needs a sting for chat shit, get answers. And we got some. This beauty came in from Jonathan Price in Madison, Wisconsin. Go Badgers. Leave a message with us. Maybe humorous. Or more like Rogers in a darkness. Philosophy. With GFOPs, we might even mention David Louise. Let's get right to it and help each other through it. Come on, come on to the non football. 
Oh, Jonathan Price, not bad, mate, not bad. I think, though, we are looking for a sting in the vein of our old MLS. Wow! Eagle Screech. So if you, dear GFOP, are really bored, if you've got a lot of time on your hands, if you are a sting master, send us that sting and we will play it until we got it. We are back Monday oh, with a newsletter and a pod. Until then, call us. 646-450-9472. You know the number. 646-450-9472. Until then, I'm going to close out with a message from a great mate of mine, Joe Janiszewski. Many of you all know him as the then Red Sox employee who tipped off John Henry to buy Liverpool. He's now at the mighty Texas Rangers. And he dropped me a note this week in reaction to one of our Ravens. And to me, really captured the new spirit that must animate us now. Joe said, be present, love those who love us, and even more so, love those who don't love us. Because today, that love is best shown, diabolical as it is, through distance. May our efforts allow us the blessing of more time with loved ones, with friends, with strangers, all of whom reflect the beautiful nature of humanity, imperfect as it may be. Oh, Joe, to that spirit, GFOPs, love through distance. Courage.